This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hey up, it's the No Name Ever podcast, with your host, Jamie Smith. Good evening and welcome to yet another No Name Ever podcast. There's no special guest tonight, I'm afraid, so we'll have to do with our usual panel of Adam, Robbie, James and Andy. We'll kick things off straight away with Saturday's 1-0 win over at Switch Town. Of course, the first time Burnley had won at Portman Road in several decades. That means we've got our best starts of the season in over 100 years. James, you were at the game, so we'll start with you. What did you make of the Burnley performance on Saturday? Um, well, to start with, it wasn't the... The most exciting of games we'll see all season. Um, it was it was clear both teams had had a, a bit of a break away from uh, playing the club football. Um, but obviously, at the end of the day, Burnley were the ones who managed to take an opportunity and score. It was a, a real defenders' game. Both sides defended well, and neither set of centre forwards actually looked like scoring at any point. Which obviously is why Arfield uh, was the one who chipped in with the goal. Ipswich had a very good home record, didn't they? I think they'd already won four at home this season. Our away record is pretty spectacular as well, but this was a big test. Arguably, away, the biggest test since Brighton. So it's a very positive sign that we came through the match and got another win on the board, even though we didn't play that well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was, uh, I think it was four in a row they'd actually won at home, wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah, I think it was the last four, yeah. Um, and, And they looked like a decent side, and I think, a lot of people have been a bit unfair on Mick McCarthy picking up his post-match uh, comments where he said um, he didn't think there was much between the sides. And we said, oh, just, you know, however many places and 14 points. But on the day, he's right, there wasn't a lot between the sides. Um, both teams defended well, but at the end of the day, they had one lapse and we took advantage of it and scored. And that's how you uh, you win those kind of games. There weren't many chances in the game at all, really, were there? I mean, we did the, the live blog. You were at the game, we were doing the live blog as normal on the Saturday afternoon. And there were a few complaints that it was a bit boring and that we weren't playing very well. I, I didn't think we played badly. We were, it was a classic away performance for me and that we kept it tight all the way through. Didn't really give them a chance. And then nicked a goal at the end. It, it was the perfect way to put an away performance together. So any criticism of it being boring, I thought was a little unfair because... We can't play like we did against Reading every week. How do you think, James, the international break affected Burnley with obviously having a few players away and losing the momentum maybe a little bit? Um, yeah, I think you can see that for both sides a little. Maybe a, you know, sort of a slow getting going. It wasn't a game that had a fast-paced start. Um, and obviously both our strikers have picked up knocks over the international break. Um, I don't know whether that affected the, the way they played or... You know, it was just a case of being slow to get back into playing with the team. Um, we'll come to you now, Adam. You were with us on the on the live blog on Saturday. Scott Arfield coming up with a goal. That's his, his fourth this season now. How important has Scott Arfield been this season? Uh, very, I think. Um, I think he's making a, a really important contribution to the team. And uh, so is uh, Kieran Trippier, who provided that a uh, beautiful cross for the uh, the goal. Uh, the, the distance Arfield is out from goal, the, the, making it all the way across the keeper into the far side, is uh, was is that, I mean, that's quite a skill to direct the header down like that. So 
Yeah, it was really good technique, wasn't it? Because Arfield had gone to the near post. You'd expect him to be on the other wing. I think he must have swapped over to the right side for that passage of play. But to, to, like you say, to flick it on, get enough power on to make sure it still crept in at the far post and the accuracy as well to sneak in there is really well played. The thing we've seen with Arfield is that he's scoring all types of goals as well. And he didn't really have a reputation as a goal scorer to come when he came to Turf Moor. So it's really good to see he's settled. Um, Andy, we need to come to you because as our resident prediction specialist, you appear to be right on the money. You said Burnley were going to win the title, Danny Ings was going to score 40 goals and here we are in the middle of November, Burnley are top of the table and Danny Ings has already got 11. What What's your secret? How, how on earth did you, you predict this? Uh, pure blind luck. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Every, I think it just came about with everyone being so pessimistic and negative, and I just thought I'd be overtly positive. And, um, you know, the, the point I was making was that if you're going to enter a competition, you must aspire to win it. And I think uh, Dash is definitely doing that. I mean, the things you said in the press this week about what happened 30 years ago can't possibly affect a game. Um, last Saturday, it's absolutely spot on. They can't, you know, um, records are there for breaking, but the statistics, you know, Nine out of ten people don't believe in him. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things um, people spoke about before the match was the fact that we hadn't won at Ipswich in so long. And I think, James, in your um, previous encounters, called him something like one win in 14 or something like that. So it has been a, a bad ground for us. But one of the points Phil made on Carrots play was that a lot of the players involved in the Burnley side have won at Portman Road in recent years with other clubs. So they're obviously not bothered by the fact the club hasn't won there. Robbie, we've spoken a little bit about sub, um, superstition and things like that before. Do you think that's got any impact or the way Burnley are going about it and the way Sean Dyche is going about it and just taking each game as it comes, making sure they're extremely well prepared? Is that the way that we've got to go about it and that's the way to keep this run going? Yeah, of course we have. I think we can't just keep looking at our run and stuff like that. We've just got to look look towards the next game and just... Try and get hundred percent of out, out of the uh, out of the players and try and get the three points. I've got to say, Andy, just to come back to you for a sec, I'm a bit disappointed because I, I thought you were going to be our our Paul the Octopus on the Known and Ever podcast, but apparently, I don't know if you're downplaying your your prediction skills just to make <laughs> sure you win some money off the bookies or what. I'm not sure what you're doing there, but I, I feel a little bit like down. Can you predict something for us now, live on the podcast? I've got a claret octopus. I can post a picture of that. It's on my, it's on my Twitter page. <laughs> okay. um, well, all right then. Um, they say it's the best start to a season um, since 1897. And I looked I looked that season up and we won the second division that season. Uh, so I'm going to say we're going to win and we're going to be champions and get promoted. Well, there you go. That's the official Andy the Octopus, known and ever prediction. Burnley are going to win the title. So get on that. On, down the bookies, I think you can still get Burnley to win promotion at seven or eight to one, and to win the title about ten to one. So it's alarming how how long our odds are at the moment. Um, to come back to you, James, one of the things I noticed about the goal was when it came back to David Jones sitting in midfield. The header for Trippier was incredibly well weighted and directed. Trippier just had to take a touch really to set the cross up. Um, David Jones probably being our most important player. Is that a fair thing to say? I'd say he's probably been our most important signing. Um, <clears throat> obviously, we let McCann go in the summer, who there's a, a lot of attachment to Chris McCann. Obviously, he came up through the ranks to Burnley, but for the last couple of seasons, he he not didn't really become the same player again as before his injuries. And I think it was definitely time to sort of move on. And we've almost done a swap deal with Wigan, picking up David Jones, and he seems to have had a couple of rough seasons of it, uh, not really getting in the side, being out on loan here and there. But he's, he's shown that he's a, a class player who's, I think, could fit in any team in this in this league's midfield. Adam, a point you've just made on our chat thing, is how strange it is to talk about Burnley being genuine promotion contenders. Obviously, um, you came to being a Burnley supporter quite late compared to some of the rest of us. How does it feel for you to see this momentum and the positivity surrounding this Burnley side, what's it like for you from afar? It, it feels like a roller coaster. if I'm honest. I mean, the, the when, I, when I 
started following this, we were obviously um, just getting promoted in the Premier League, and then we we've spent a few seasons, you know, I don't want to say with quite a negative outlook, but we've been struggling with finances, coping with a couple of manager losses, the Brian Laws saga, things like that, and it's just been interesting. It, it is very up and down, and it's it's. I'm not going to lie; it's really good to be on an up. And Andy, you've been around a little bit longer. I'm trying to think of a good way to say this. It's not a little bit insulting. You've been around a little bit longer than some of us, the elder statesmen of the non Never podcast team. How do you think uh, this season compares to some of the other, um, I don't want to refer to it as a promotion season, but the other times that we have gone up? Does this feel the same? Does it feel different? Um, don't, you never know, do you? you know, it's only with hindsight you sort of really you're able to say that, really. I mean, the, the season went up into the Premier League. We had a massive push at the end. We weren't in particular well at the start of the season. We had that five-game loss on the trot, didn't we, at uh, Christmas? Yeah, exactly. Um, Everyone thought we'd um, stuffed it up a little bit at that time, didn't they? Yeah. Um, I mean, And then, you know, when we got promoted with Glen Little scoring at Scunthorpe, that was sort of last-minute City again. And, you know, it's you don't know until you look back, but we've as good as a chance as anyone else, haven't we? Robbie, how do you think um, the, this Burnley team are going to adapt to now being not favourites for the title, but they're leading from the front and they've got that cushion on QPR? How How is that going to change the way that we're approaching our football? I don't think it should change it in any way, really. Um, no one's expecting us to be up there and people say we have no right to be up there. So I suppose we're still underdogs and we're still going to every single game as underdogs, in my opinion. Um, we'll talk about the QPR match a little bit later, but would you not expect us to get results on Saturday when QPR's come to the surf? Um, I'd be happy with a draw, but if we do go five points clear, that'll really show off our intentions. And I think clubs then coming to Turf Moor would be genuinely really, really scared of us. There's already going to be a bit of media attention, I would expect, on the club this week, especially with it being first v second on Saturday. So it'll be interesting to see if there's a big crowd at Turf Moor. I know the club's been pushing the tickets extremely hard in the last few days. So we'll keep an eye on that. And um, obviously we'll look back at QPR on next week's podcast and hopefully we'll be, as Robbie says, five points clear at the top. Um, James, to come back to you, staying on Ipswich for now. You mentioned that the, the front two didn't play very well. One of the things I noticed just from the commentary, really, was Michael Kiteley's final pass was really quite poor, but he, his energy levels were still outstanding. Um, do you think maybe on another day we'd, we'd have, we would have paid for... What on earth is it? What's going on there? That's <laughs> the magic roundabout. That's, that's my phone. Just give me a minute. <laughs> okay, we'll not come to James. This is live broadcasting, everyone. This is this is what can happen. <laughs> we'll come back to you then, Adam. Um, I'm not sure if you if you've seen. <laughs> yeah, that was the magic round. I'm trying to think which character James could be. Um, <laughs> anyway, Adam, we'll, we'll come back he's to you. He's definitely Zebedee. He's um, definitely what? Is it Zebedee? Yeah, Zebedee. I'm pretty sure it's Zebedee from the magic I'm, roundabout. I'm back, by the way. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> so, just, so my, just for Michael future Kite... reference, panel, can you put your phones on silent? <laughs> Come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, Michael Kiteley's final ball, it wasn't great on Saturday, was it? Uh, no, and I should point out that's not my personal ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> that's not my personal phone. Um, yeah, he, he was, I think the term that's normally used is energetic but wasteful. Um, he saw a lot of the ball, but his final delivery was just not really up to scratch. Um, there was a couple of balls that I think there was one that was probably dangerous, and he he got it dug it in from a, a tough position. But a lot of the rest were just far too deep, and uh, they they were never really going to trouble the Ipswich goal. Um, what do you think of the the defence? Another clean sheet, of course, with Duff and Shackle. In that back four, do you think that's a most? We talked a lot about Kevin Long and how he was unlucky to lose his place. Do you think Duff and Shackles the way forward for the rest of the season? Now, I mean, it's hard to say. I don't think we've seen enough of Kevin Long yet. Um, he, he didn't do anything wrong early in the season, but Michael Duff obviously he's got that experience. He's he's been there, done it, hasn't he, with us already? Um, <clears throat> and Jason Shackle on on Saturday was sensational. 
possibly one of the best centre back performances I've ever seen. He he uh, he was just a rock at the centre of the defence, and if it hadn't been for him, we actually probably could have lost. Um, so that's just how good a performance he put in on Saturday. He's been outstanding for a long time now, Shaq, hasn't he? He's arguably one of the, the, well, certainly among the best defenders in the league, if not right up there. And one final point, actually, and we're going to do some breaking news. We don't often get to do this on a Monday night, but breaking news, Middlesbrough have sacked Tony Mowbray, which I suppose has been coming the way they've been playing all year, really. They were in the mix for a playoff place and then fell away really, really quite badly towards the end of last season. I think they're on a, a terrible run. They've only won a couple in the last... 18 or 20 or something like that. So it's been a while coming to Tony Mowbray and he is the, the latest championship manager to have lost his job. So it'll be very interesting to see who they go for. I can hear some frantic tapping from the non ever podcast panel. I'm sure someone's looking up Tony Mowbray's record. Um, one final thing I wanted to make, just to stay with you, James, from the highlights I saw on Saturday night was um, an Ipswich chance where Tom Heaton came for a cross and ha- had a little bit of a flap at it. There were four players got back behind him to defend the shot on the line. Four players defending the line. I thought that was incredible to see, just the, the desire and determination from the players to be desperate to block that shot. There was no way it was going in, no matter where Heaton had gone. I thought that was fantastic. Was that something you noticed throughout the rest of the game? Yeah, I, mean, I, I think we've seen it before with this group as obviously there was Ben Mee's infamous block of his face and uh, I think this this defence have shown in the past that they're willing to uh, you know, do anything to get in the way and, and make sure we don't concede. Uh, so it's, it's good to see that again, obviously. And on Mulberry, uh, Middlesbrough just got one win in the last ten. One win in ten, James is saying. I've just been told as well from Adam that it's three league wins from twelve this season, and they've only I've been won five. Record in twenty thirteen is really really poor as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is extremely poor all year. Like yeah, I said, they started start last won, season quite well, but then tailed off quite badly. They've won two in twelve, lost four, and drawn six. So apparently, it's um, five league wins at home all year which isn't great when you consider in November. It's been difficult for the home fans up there. Of course, they, they beat us this year, so one of few teams to have lost to Middlesbrough. And Mowbray's win percentage at Borough was just shy of 40%, which sounds OK, really, but I suppose you'd expect a club the size of Middlesbrough to be up there challenging for promotion, and he's not been able to get them up there. One of my friends is a, a big Borough fan, so it'll be very interesting. I'll try and get some live reaction from her, actually, and that'll be good for the the podcast but we are going to move on now to the quiz we've already had people on the chat demanding the quiz question I'm, I'm afraid the quiz has to wait until we've got plenty of people listening otherwise it falls a bit flat so this week's quiz question which was provided by Andy but I've been promised that he hasn't been researching the answers he just provided the question for us and it's a topical quiz for us this week it's 15 players who have represented both Queen's Park Rangers and Burnley Football Club so there's 15 players who have played for both of the Championship's top two sides. And this includes loan spells, which is going to be important. Loan spells are included. And, um, <laughs> yeah, the sound effect, please, Adam. I totally forgot where the sound effects. I know how hard Adam works on the sound effects, so can't can't possibly forget about the sound effects. So we're already getting some answers in off the off the chat, but we will go through the panel first. Robbie, how about we start with you then? Can you name a player who's played for both QPR and Burnley? Uh, Clark Carlisle. Clark Carlisle, of course. Last weekend's No Name Ever podcast panellist. If you haven't listened to it, it's still online. You can get it on iTunes or through Mixler, through our show for real on that. It's an excellent lesson, I would say that, because it was me doing the interview, but really, really nice chap and insightful on various subjects. Clark Carlisle, of course, man of the match for Burnley at Wembley when we were promoted last time and was at QPR when they played at Wembley as well. So Clark Carlisle's an excellent first answer. Andy, how about you? Uh, Charlie Austin. Charlie Austin, of course, probably the most obvious one. He'll be back at the turf. We'll talk a little bit about Austin and how he's going to get on. Later in the show, Robbie, one from you, QPR and Burnley. Uh, Alan Marn. Alan Marn, he's not on the list. He's not on the list. I get my stats for the quiz from a, a popular Burnley Football Club fan site that I'm not on a name. So if it's incorrect, it's absolutely not my fault. I'm checking Alan Marn for you now, but I don't think that's right. James, can you give us an answer while I'm checking that? 
to be honest, after Charlie Austin and Clark Isle have gone, I've got absolutely no idea. There are actually a couple from the current squad, which I was surprised at. And Alan Marn is incorrect, according to Wikipedia. So I've double-sourced that, and Alan Marn is incorrect. In our current squad? In our current squad, there are two players. We'll throw this out to the rest of the panel, jump in. But there's two players who played for QPR before coming to Turf Moor. Not directly, but they have played for QPR. I got one. Go on, Adam. Dean Marnie. Dean Marnie, absolutely. In his days at Spurs... He did play for QPR on loan. That was one that I wasn't actually aware of. I was surprised when I was doing my research for this week's quiz. But there is still one more. If anyone wants to jump in with the, the one player, we've actually got it on the chat, so we'll take the answer from there. Ronan has been on. It's Tom Heaton, our goalkeeper. He was also on loan at QPR before he signed for us. So we've got a few of the more modern ones, but there's still plenty of answers left. 15 players altogether. We've only got four down, so lots and lots. I think we've lost Andy for a short time. So we'll come through the panel. It's a shame, really. Andy loves the quiz. Keep your answers coming in, by the way. If you're on the chat, just um, throw some names at us and we'll let you know if you're right or wrong. If you're listening via Twitter, you can also um, use the hashtag NNNPod um, with any feedback about the show, any questions anything like that, and um, especially quiz answers. Tom Heaton is correct. We've had that a couple of times on the blog. Um, we're trying to get Andy back, but we're going to have to go through the panel a couple more times. Have you got any more answers for us, James? Have you been racking your brains? Um, is Chris Woods one? Chris Woods, absolutely. Where have you got that one from? That's an excellent answer. I don't know. I just had a feeling about Chris Woods. He could be one. Um, I just—I re- only really remember him for doing his stretches in the middle of the half, which was always always looked bizarre. He could have been the easiest <laughs> keeper. He could have been easy to lob. Yeah, I think um, my brother is a bit older than me. So Chris Woods was one of these goalkeepers that went walkabouts, and Burnley fans ever since have been a bit worried whenever the goalkeeper leaves their six-yard box. Um, Andy, we've got back. You've missed Chris him. Woods. Yeah, I, I thought you might have a story about Chris Woods. <laughs> no, no, not your brother. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Good one. You've oh, no. We've had a good answer from Mike, actually. Dave Thomas. Very, very good answer. He was one that I didn't think people were going to get. Um, Andy, we'll come back to you then. There's still nine players who play for both QPR and Burnley. I've got a feeling that Leighton James played down there. Absolutely. You're all muckling, James. <laughs> what about you, Robbie? You don't have any. You don't have any. Um, any more on the chat? Any more on Twitter? Use the hashtag NNMPod. I'm going to have to start giving clues out in a second. There's a couple of centre-backs, fairly recent ones. There's one obscure one who's only at the turf for a short spell on loan. Adam, I think we'll have one from you. Yeah, um, Bradley Orr. Bradley Orr, very good answer, of course. Um Went on to play for Blackburn. Was he at Blackburn after us or before? I'm not sure. I think he came to us from mm. Newcastle, right? <laughs> yeah, Bradley or right back. Not a very good one. How about um, Gareth Taylor? Gareth Taylor, very good answer. The big striker. One of my favourite players when I was growing up, actually. I loved Gareth Taylor. I was devastated when we sold him. It was a funny one, wasn't it? Because he'd only just sort of got... He started to win people over... Yeah, he had just been kicked in the face, so it was probably a good time to sort of go with him. He shattered shattered his contact lens, didn't he, in a pre-season game. Did he? I don't remember anything about that. Yeah. The season we sold him, pre-season, I think he got hit in the eye with the ball or something. It shattered his contact lens. I think he was against Leeds, I think, in a pre-season, yeah. He was out for a little while, and then before he even came back, he sold him for like half a million, whatever it was. He didn't really play much after that, did he? It sort of brought his career to a bit of an early end. He did play centre-back a little bit at Forest though as well, which obviously doesn't help a striker score. No, well, that would certainly have an impact. We have had a couple of answers off the chat that I've just been checking. I think they're both incorrect. Wildor says Caldwell. I assume he means Stephen Caldwell. Not according to Wikipedia, which is my fact-checking missile of choice. Stephen Caldwell, not at QPR. We've had one from Ganks, which I thought was right, actually, Andy Cole. But he's not on the list of names I've got, and Wikipedia doesn't have him 
ever having played at QPR. Or maybe you're getting mixed up there because he scored that hat-trick for us at QPR. Maybe that's where you've got that from. But Andy's just chipped in. Excellent timing, Andy, because we were running out a little bit. Arthur Nowhere. Remember Arthur Nowhere? No, Harry. The massive French-African defender famously scored a brace at Deepdale. Fantastic performance. Went a bit off the rails, I think, under Stan Turner. And I had no idea where he ended up playing, but had some excellent games for, for Burnley before it went a bit that, wrong. Is that Andre BK Mark 1? He was. He was the first Andre BK. And Andy's also provided Billy Hamilton, who a long, long time ago, but one of the club's greatest ever players, Billy Hamilton, played for QPR as well. We are down to the last four. So uh, get your thinking caps on. We'll come back to the quiz a little bit later in the show, but these are going to be difficult. I'm not sure we're going to get through these last ones. But if you are listening on Twitter and you are thinking and racking your brains, use the hashtag NNMPod and chuck some names at us on the chat as well. But we are going to move on. So it's QPR next weekend, a top two clash at Turf Moor. It's a while since we've had a match like this to look forward to. Robbie, we'll start with you. QPR at home, what do you make of that game? Do you think Sean Dyche's men will be quite confident going into that match? I, I'm, I'm certainly confident going into it. Um, I, don't, I, I, I think we have every right to be confident going into it with our run. Um, I think with the way we're defending as well, I I think we could maybe steal a 1-0 win there against them. It could be a tight game, really, because QPR's defending has been excellent. They haven't conceded many goals at all. I think Millwall got a couple at the weekend. That was the first time they conceded in nine games or something like that. Adam, you've got some stats on QPR, so we'll come to you. Yes, um, we've actually got a decent home record against them, believe it or not, and a pretty good overall record. We've got overall 16 wins, uh, only... Uh, 10 losses, 6 draws, uh, but at home that is 11 You're wins. You've in previous encounters, just to put that out there. It's a, no, it's a preview for previous it's encounters. A, it's a preview of our own article. It's, I'm just, it's to whet I'm the appetites. Uh, we've only ever lost twice to QPR at home, is the general summary, so there's every reason to believe that we can get a win here. Well, there you go, lots of positive material for previous encounters with James Bird, which should be on the site Saturday morning. It's always... Worth a read. Charlie Austin, of course. We need to talk about Charlie Austin. He'll be coming back to Turf Moor for the first time since leaving in the summer. It'll be extremely interesting to see what sort of reaction he gets. Andy, will you be giving Austin a cheer or are you a bit upset about the way he left the club in the summer? What do you make of Charlie Austin? You're joking. I didn't cheer him when he was at Burnley. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I re- he was keeping I Danny like... Eggs out the side. No wonder he was yeah. cheering. I um I just I didn't like him at all and um, so I'm not a hypocrite though because when he scored I didn't used to cheer, uh, which <laughs> meant <laughs> oh people around God. me used to used to think I was mental. So I can't be a hypocrite. So uh, yeah, I think he'll score tomorrow, won't he? But um, we'll uh, Vings oh, will I'll... put uh, ten in. So you know, <laughs> I don't mind if he scores tomorrow because the game's not till Saturday. So we can, whoever they're playing tomorrow, we can score. Oh, you know what I mean. Getting ahead of um, yourself. That's for anyone who's listening on Friday. (laughs) A special comment just for people who only get round to listening to the podcast on Friday. Austin had a bit of a slow start, actually. James, we'll come to you next. He only scored a couple in his first seven or eight appearances, but he's got five in his last four games, which is much more a Charlie Austin um, scoring ratio. Do you think he's hitting form at the right time in terms of Um, coming up against his old club? Well. Whose who's point of view are we talking right time? Because um, it's oh. definitely not ours. But um, quite a few <laughs> of them have been, have been penalties as well, which um, obviously isn't the case with uh, Bings because we've only scored one penalty this season. Oh, I think. That's the point. I think still if you strip out the penalties, I think Stan Volks is um, level with the top scorers and Nicholas Vaughan and Rhodes are ahead of him and they've both been taking penalties, whereas he's only got one. I think that's right. Yeah, I, think I mean, the day... The day we got our first penalty of the season, he was the leading scorer. I think if he stripped up penalties, so uh, you know, he's. I think he's kept pace. He's, he's there or thereabouts. Well, what do you make of Austin at QPR? You've probably not seen that much of him, but he seems to have taken a little while to settle. But they're now feeding him quite well, and he's he's got a brace on to Barnsley recently. He scored in his last four games, so he's obviously in a little bit of form. Yeah, I mean, I, you're right. I haven't seen much of him because I I honestly can't abide the football league show. 
Um, <laughs> it is terrible. And even if I watched it, I would, I would fast forward QPR because they are dull. Um, <laughs> they may end up being champions this season, but they've only scored 14 goals in 11 games. I mean, that is dull. Um, they win in, but they're dull. So yeah. I haven't seen it's, much. It's disappointing, he... really, QPR, isn't it? I mean, they've got so much attacking talent, and yet Redknapp, oh, Red he seems content to just win matches 1-0. I'm, I'm so sick of hearing the press say how great a job Harry Redknapp's done. He's got the kind of money that Sean Dyche should kill for. And he's got all that offensive talent, and they can only score 14 goals for 11 games. I mean, that's, he's not doing a good job there. He's, he's doing a job that me or you could do. Um, well, minimum expectations for QPR is top two, isn't it? And they're still behind us at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the, yeah, so obviously Austin's turned it on now. He's, he's scoring goals, um, but hopefully not on Saturday. He's going to come up against a tougher tougher opponent than I think he's had recently because um, the last couple of games have been against Yeovil, Borough, Barnsley and Millwall. Um, yeah, right. Any of those are outstanding teams. Um, particularly since we've just talked about one getting the, the manager sacked so um, I think he'll have a much tougher time against Shackle and Duff and hopefully the, the crosses will be restricted because he's still scoring those those tappings really that he scored for us um, so as long as we can eliminate those balls into the middle I think we better cut him off His goal on Saturday was quite good actually I think it was a, a three ball rather than a tapping and he took it quite well but it's a good point you made against the quality of Opposition he's been scoring um, the last four games: Millwall, Barnsley, and Borough at home. Yeovil away. Before that, Birmingham at home. We obviously hammered Birmingham and Exeter away. So, not exactly the the big boys in the league. But I think QPR similar to us. Really, they haven't really played a lot of the the bigger clubs. So, it will certainly be interesting. Ganks has been on the live chat. He says. Charlie Austin will get a fantastic reaction, and rightly so. I would imagine he'll get a pretty good reaction, apart from Andy, who's going to be booing him. Um, I'm not. I'd, I'm not really sure on this reception because um, do, you not, do you not think we haven't we haven't been very good to people recently? I'd, Regardless of what they've got on to do, we've given some pretty dire receptions. Do you think that has an impact? People just judge Austin on what he did for the club. Well, they should just judge him on what he did for the club. I think he, you know. I don't think he ever really threw his toys out of the pram. He's not. If Brian Jensen came back, I'd be Brian Jensen because he <laughs> he threw his toys out of the pram every time he got dropped. Um, but you never saw that with Charlie Austin. I think he he left in the right manner. Um, so I think he's well worthy of a you know round of applause when his name's read out. But obviously after that, it goes back to uh, him being the enemy. Well, absolutely. There's a, a school of thought that says you shouldn't cheer or or boo these players when they come back because it just gives them attention and if you boo them it makes them want to prove you wrong you should just nothing them when their names run out just silence absolutely nothing which I'm not sure would ever happen because it would need everyone to be on board with it but yeah Charlie Austin interesting one I thought he'd be more unanimous in support for him I mean he came as someone who was pretty much fresh out in non-league he'd only played league football for a year or so and scored a lot of goals for the club in a short space of time I'm a bit surprised that people I'm more pleased. I suppose the way Sam Volts and Danny Ings have been playing means we haven't missed him, Andy, and the fact that Ings and Volts have stepped up so much means that people aren't that bothered about Charlie Austin anymore. No one really talks about him, do they? Um, well, no. I've seen him come and I've seen him go when he called me old. So over the years, Burnley's always had to sell strikers and um, there was stuff went on behind the scenes, weren't there, with Austin, which I just think was one of the contributing factors to him going. So I've no... Uh, you know, he did a good job when he was here. Fine, he's gone. I'm not going to boot him. I just, I, I had no, I weren't a fan of his when he was here. But you know, don't mean I'm going to boo him when he comes back. But you know, someone always um, fills them boots. Well, this, I mean, we've lost a lot of strikes in the last few years, and yet we're doing better than ever. So it just shows that the, the names you've got on the team sheet aren't necessarily the be-all and the end-all. So Charlie Austin, of course, will be back at Surf Moor. It will be interesting to see what reception he gets and how well he plays. I'm sure we'd all be quite happy if he went down holding his shoulder early on so he had to get taken off. As long as it wasn't too serious, just serious enough that he couldn't score against us, that would be quite good. Um, Adam Duff will sort it out. <laughs> Duff, I'm sure Duff will <laughs> be giving him a couple of digs when the referee's not watching, just to make sure. Um, James, actually, before we move on from QPR, how do you think Redknapp's going to set them up? 
I think he'll play the the way they they played all season. But um, what I really wanted to say was, Robbie made a point about if we uh, beat QPR, it'd be sending a real message to the other teams in the league. When they come to the turf, they'll be scared of us. I think we've already seen that a little bit with the way that Reading turned up. Um, they clearly came to sort of play for a point, to try and get something. Um, which a team of Reading stature, you wouldn't really expect it if they if they didn't think we were we were challengers. Well, especially now, it, it, I don't think it would matter who was coming to the turf on Saturday. The fact that we've won seven in a row, teams are obviously going to be wary of, of what we can do and the fact we don't concede many, it's going to be difficult for them to, to come up with any sort of plan, really. Um, Adam, I think you want to say something about the general strength of the QPR side, some of the players they've got available. Just ridiculous, really. Well, I mean, obviously, Redknapp's got a lot of contacts thanks to his time at Spurs, and he's got a lot of favourite players who he likes to bring with him. But, I mean, having someone like Nico Cranchar in your squad, I mean, he's a, he's a full international for his side, I think. So it's, it's I mean, look, their squad depth compared to ours is, is tremendous. But the fact that, you know, we're above them in the table, I mean, despite them having played a game more, two points above them is, is pretty good uh, show of strength for our side, I think. Cranchar, absolutely. I I was surprised actually um, the other day when he played. I'm not sure he's played a lot this season, but when I saw him um, on the football league show, I was like, Nicole Cranchar's playing for QPR. Surely Premier League clubs would want to take Cranchar, but yeah, he's played for Redknapp for a while. Um, Cranchar, of course, a Croatia international, but James has made the point that Sam Volts is a full international as well. So <laughs> you can judge players like that. Robbie, I think you were about to chip in. Um, yeah, sorry. Um, I think they signed Yossi Benayoun as well, didn't they, today? Yeah, they did. Benayoun's another one that's gone through. One of these players who's been around a long time without really settling anywhere. It'll be interesting to see if he goes straight into the side or whether he has to wait. I mean, they've got so many attacking players. Yeah, they'll still wonder still how one, they though. fit them all in. Well, exactly. You'd think one all would be a, a fair shout or one nil either way. I think it will be quite a tight game. It's not going to be the massive blockbuster game that you would maybe hope for from the the two biggest clubs in the division. Um, we will kick on now a little bit. James, I just wanted to ask you about the, the fantasy football show that you went to, um, the Sky Sports recording. What was that like? Sean Dyche was obviously the guest on the, the Sky Sports show. You were in the audience. How did you find that whole experience? What was Dash like up close and personal? Um, I think it was, it was very interesting. I haven't seen the actual show yet. I'm sure some people listening have. The show, actually, I'm just going to interrupt you. I, I could barely watch it. It's a horrible, horrible show. They do this thing, like, every time they come back from a break or any sort of clip, they get the crowd to just cheer in the background. So it gives you a headache with all these rowdy Burnley fans going, way, way, every two minutes. So my yeah. new thing, just like around the house, when I walk into a room, I go, way, and it's incredibly funny for me and tiresome for my flatmates. So, what was Dash like? Um, yeah, it was actually a bit tiring as someone who was <laughs> having to clap every time a video ended. But, um, and, and came back from an ad break, which we'd actually watched the ad that leads into the show. Um, he, he, he was very good. Um, his stories on Brian Clough were, were absolutely fantastic to hear. Um, I assume they were all in the, in the finished show. Um, but obviously hearing him doing gardening work for Brian Clough and Clough seeming to treat them all a bit like they were his servants was uh, was quite interesting to hear. Do you think he learned much from Brian Clough as a manager? I mean, he was quite young at the time, wasn't he? Yeah, for, I think they asked him something similar to that on the show and he, he seemed uh, non-committal to sort of answer. I think it was too early in his career really to sort of pick that sort of thing up, especially because he didn't, didn't make the first team there. So um, I think his experiences later on at Millwall and Watford, I think, were much bigger parts of uh, sculpting him as a manager. Um, and what what was the the sort of feeling between the fans and Sean Dyche? Obviously, a lot of people have been meeting him for the first time, really. Was he a bit taken up with a chanting ginger Mourinho at him? Or was there outpourings of joy? What What was it like? Obviously, it's a great time for him to go on that show when Burnley at top of the league and flying high. Yeah, I think when he, he heard all the, the chanting, I think he was actually a bit surprised because obviously it was being filmed in uh, in uh, West London, which um, you probably don't expect to 
pull in a, a big set of Burnley fans to. No, there are a lot of London clarets, though, aren't they? And a lot yeah, of obviously, because you, you, obviously there's a lot of people who moved to London to work and, and whatnot. So there's a there's plenty of people there to uh, to fill the audience. Um, so I think he was at first a little bit taken back by how much of a, a following there was there. Um, there. There wasn't much mingling sort of before and after, but uh, obviously everyone was able to take pictures with him and. Uh, I think he, he enjoys seeing so many Burnley fans turn out to sort of see the show recorded. We are actually hoping to get Sean on the podcast soon. I think um, that's the wheels are in motion, so hopefully we'll be able to sort that out um, while we're doing well so that I don't have to ask too many difficult questions for him because I am a little bit scared of him. Adam, you were there as well with James um, watching the show get recorded. What, what did you make of the whole experience? Yeah, there's uh, a kind of moment before when everyone was waiting in the in the sky sports gatehouse uh this was before james arrived late and sweaty because he ran from the from james the was late yeah. i refuse to believe that <laughs> he, he, he ran all the way from the train station was it yeah boston manor tube um everyone else got the overground but it would have taken me too long to get from work uh there by the overground so i had to get the tube and run the rest of the way it looked a lot shorter on google maps <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, all the Burnley fans are obviously waiting to go in and everyone was a bit early. And then Sean Dyche suddenly walks in and it was like, wait, that's Sean Dyche. And everyone was thinking the same thing. Like, do we go and speak to him? Do we go and like say hi? Like everyone was just looking at him and it was, it was, was incredibly he just awkward. Was he just walked in? Yeah. It was just like, it was just like, hi, Sean Dyche here for whoever like whoever the agent guy was yeah. and like everyone there were loads of Burnley fans and everyone was thinking okay that's Sean Dyche okay um what do I do now like uh so I just sat there and watched Sky News and pretended <laughs> it wasn't happening I think it is a bit strange isn't it I mean I, I every time I hear anyone who's who's had the chance to speak to him says he's a really nice bloke and he's very approachable but I think maybe just the way he looks is a little bit intimidating, maybe, so it puts people off just going up to him and having a chat. It's not the same as some of the other managers we've had fairly recently where, like, say if you saw Stan in the street, in the street, Stan turning, you just go up to him and go, all right, Stan, how's it going? Because you're sure that'd be fine. But if, if you caught Sean Dyche in the wrong mood... <laughs> I mean, like, when, when you met him afterwards, he was he's incredibly, like, a nice chap. He was, like, friendly. Yeah, yeah, gave of course. Gave a warm handshake. Smile. He called like, my beard a real ginger beard. He did. I heard. <laughs> I, I surely, surely his beard is gingerer than yours. Uh, well, no, my beard is thick. This, so I mean, um... <laughs> yeah, it's one of those <laughs> stick-on ones. All his beards. It's just a. Obviously, it's just it's, it's real, but he's uh he's he's got a lot less of a beard than I have, which I think well, emphasizes my gingerness. James uh, was also keen to remind him of the time he, he uh, likened him to Ryan Noble in in the press room afterwards. Yeah, so I looked a lot less Ryan Noble like this time because obviously because <laughs> you had a massive ginger beard. <laughs> <laughs> I think you look a bit like Arfield as well. I think similarities there. Apart you, from the someone at, someone at work said that I had one of our articles open at lunchtime, and uh, someone looked over and went, "Oh, that, that guy looks like you." I was like, "It's not, but okay." <laughs> yeah, I noticed it today. Actually, it's like it's just similarities in the in the face. I think Ganks has been on actually while we're talking about Sean Dyche getting a bit carried away talking about Sky Sports and James's beard. He says Dyche was at Gawthorpe in mid March and had lots of time for all the boys who were there. He stayed around fifteen minutes answering all the questions and doing all the old photos. Top walk and very likable in my opinion. And of course, back in March things weren't going particularly well. So it's good to see that he would do. Things like that, not just when it's flying high. I mean, I'm sure it's easy to get carried away with everything that's going on, but I don't think Sean Dyche is one of those. They could be very feet on the ground, head screwed on in the right way. I don't think he's going to get carried away with a lot of the intention that's going to come his way. Um, while we're on Dyche, actually, if we win on Saturday again, Robbie, it'll be another Manager of the Month award for Dyche one. It's surely no one can touch him after another run of wins. I know. <laughs> I'd be interested to see if he does actually win it again if we do beat QPR. And I, I, did he get nominated in August as well? I think he was nominated in August, yeah, but yes. he didn't win. I think Redknapp won, didn't he? Oh, no, it was Paul Ince. Paul Ince was top. They basically just give it to whoever's got the most points during the month. So if we go through winning every game, which we will have done if we play 
if we win on Saturday, because I think that's the last league game of the month, then I don't think they'll have a choice. Andy, do you think um, the media attention and potential awards, do you think that's going to have any impact, or do you think the, the squad's just going to keep their heads down and get on with it? Uh, historically, with Burnley, I always used to find that as soon as someone got an award like that, they didn't win the next month. Yeah, well, the, the manager of the month curse thing is um, well worn, isn't it? I'm not sure if there's actually anything in it, but it certainly seems to have affected us in recent years. But Dash put that one to bed, and he's put various things to bed, really, like winning at Ipswich. The club hasn't won an Ipswich in so long, so I don't think he's yeah. going to be bothered by any of this. Dash did say that he, he talked through the, the manager of the month curse with the players and uh, All right. emphasised how it's just a, you know, a set of stats and that that can be proven wrong. Yeah, it's really interesting actually to see. Obviously, we only get a little bit of insight every now and again um, into what life's like inside the camp. But one of the things the club did, let's see, today actually, a clip went on YouTube of Scott Arfield's post-game interview at Portman Road on Saturday, and it's really interesting viewing. If you get the chance to have a look, I think the the official Burnley Twitter account tweeted it just a couple of hours ago. Junior Stanislas was coming over from his um, post-game warm-up and sort of grabbed the mic away from Phil Bird, the Claret's player commentator, and <laughs> proceeded to conduct an interview with Scott Arfield, and they were teasing each other about what had gone on. I think Junior said something like, if he'd have been playing, he'd have got a brace, but it, it was... Um, <laughs> that's Jamie's talking about Junior Stanislaus that's the music that's going on there but it's we, we hear this quite regularly about how players in the squad even the ones that aren't playing every week they're extremely happy with how everything's going and that clip I'm not sure if you have had a chance to watch it I think that just um, showed how well everyone gets on in the team and I suppose it's easy when things are going well but it just shows that the team spirit is really good at the moment did you have a chance to look at that clip earlier, Adam? Uh, yeah, I did, and it's, it's good to see stuff like that going on. You know, like you want to see that sort of camaraderie and uh, and that sort of behaviour amongst the team, especially when they're winning. Because if, if that's not going on when you're winning, you don't think what's going on when they're losing. But uh, it's only to be expected, really, when you're sitting top of the table and you've. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure whether they'd found out about the uh, QPR dropping points to Millwall by that point. But uh, but I mean, regardless, top of the table, you'd still be happy. No, I'm sure. Um, I'm not sure actually about the QPR thing. I'm not. I don't know if they'd be that bothered. They knew that because they'd won their game, they'd be top anyway. I'm sure it was a bit of a boost when they did find out. Um, Andy, you keep dropping in and dropping back out again. I think your connection's a bit dodgy, but you're back with us. What do you make of the the team spirit at the moment? Do you think that's part of what comes with having a small squad, or do you think it's one of the things Sean Dyche has been able to put together? Um, he, he said when he came about this one club mentality and. Um, you know, it's it, it's a good thing to say when they start, isn't it? And, and you sort of question, and people sort of questioned what he were doing at the end of last season. Um, but I think he were putting the groundwork in, and it's obviously paying off this season. And from what I've heard with people saying about what happens at the club at the moment, um, everyone seems to have nothing but respect for the guy. Um, and it's a great place to, to work and a great club to play for at the moment by the sounds of it. So I think he's doing a good job. Well, he's certainly doing a good job. I think anyone who looks at the table can see that. One of the things I want to ask the panel, actually, we'll go through everyone. Can we keep up this run? Is it going to continue, not just Saturday, but for the coming weeks and months? How much longer is this going to go on? We'll start with you, Robbie. Do you think expectations now have been raised? What What do you expect for the rest of the season now? Uh, I don't really know, to be honest, because... Every single week, I seem to be writing ourselves off. I seem to think I'm waiting for us to lose. Um, and going into the Ipswich game, I wrote it off and we win, which is a massive shock. I wrote, I wrote us off when we went to Leeds and we won. And I, I honestly don't know what to expect every week. It's really, really strange. Well, it's interesting what you said there about um, Ipswich. One of the things I was going to mention earlier was after we took the lead, I, I was so confident that we were going to see that game out. It never even crossed my mind that we weren't going to win it. And as a Burnley fan, that's absolutely bizarre to be that confident that when we score, we're going to win the match. Um, Adam, what about you then? Do you think we can keep this up for a bit longer? Um, to be honest, I mean, obviously the big test is this week, but if you look at the fixtures we've got in November, they're 
it's a lot of away games, three away games, one home game. Uh, Millwall first up at the Den. But uh, then we've got Eddie Howe coming back. I mean, there's a Huddersfield away. Uh, there's plenty of winnable games there, I think. I mean, get past this Saturday, and if, we, if we've got the win, I mean, there's no reason we can't go on and win another four. By me, that that confident that it's going to carry on. I was looking at the fixtures actually. There's another international break not that far away because of the the playoffs for the World Cup. After QPR, there's West Ham coming to Turf Moor for the cup match, then a trip to Millwall and Bournemouth at home. So they're not that. Um, those fixtures aren't really intimidating. Even if we did win on Saturday, you'd be confident that we could get a result at Millwall. You'd be confident that we could beat Bournemouth at home. Um, Andy is. Positive man, positive positive man sounds like the worst superhero ever. Positive man, I couldn't remember what we called you. What was it, Chief Morale Officer or something? Um, surely we're going to win all the matches for the rest of the month. Surely. Oh, I think we've lost Andy again. Are you there, Andy? Are you there? Please be there. No, he's not there. James, James, fill in. James, how are we going to do? Will- <coughs> there's, there's only obviously one game left left this month in the league, so um, keep it off. What about which, um, before the, the international break, though? Those games before run, the next Millwall, break? I, I can't see us not winning at Millwall. Um, Bournemouth will be the real test, but obviously, they, while they can score a lot, they can also concede a lot. I mean, they've had some pretty the, dodgy results away, haven't they, already? They've they got hammered a couple of times. They're the only team in the top half with a negative goal difference, um, which. To be honest, to be tenth and have a minus six goal difference at this stage is, or at any stage, is abysmal. Yeah. Um, well, when they've I mean, lost this season, they've really lost. Yeah, I think six, a couple of six one at Watford, wasn't it? Um, yeah, didn't they lose five by five to someone else as well? So they're taking yeah, a couple so. of heavy beatings, but it's to be expected when such a small club at a higher level. I think. Yeah, and they do have that that Eddie Howe. Um, yeah, he's not really bothered about defending, is he, Eddie? We'll obviously talk. Away. A lot about Eddie on the podcast before um, before the Bournemouth game. There's no point really going into it now. We are coming towards the end of the show, actually. Um, we'd best go back to the quiz. I'm not sure anyone's going to get these four, but we'll go through the panel one more time. Can you name any more players who play for both QPR and Burnley? And I can tell you there's only one of these names familiar to me. And he was only at the club a short time on loan in the mid-2000s if that's a clue. Anyone there who wants to chip in with an answer, maybe? A guess? Anyone? Anyone on the chat? Deafening silence. Nobody's got anything for me. I thought the quiz might end like this this week. It has been a little bit of a tricky one, so we will go through the last answers. Um, The one I was teasing there, the lone player was Keith Lowe. Does anyone remember Keith Lowe? He came on loan from Wolves. Wolves, He came on loan from Wolves. um, Was at the club for three or four months. Didn't really excel. Went out on various loans well afterwards. I think he's at Cheltenham now. Um, Yeah, Keith Law was the only modern one left. Just waiting to see if there's any more answers coming in off the chat. Andy, I think you're back with us. Have you got any more guesses for this um, quiz question? Uh, no, I haven't actually. No. <laughs> Welcome back. Sorry, the no. <laughs> no. No. Right. Okay. We'll, we'll go through the answers then. Um, the first one from the nineteen eighties. Ian Muir. Ring any bells? Certainly before my time. He played for Burnley for just that one season, eighty two to eighty three, and he made two appearances for the club. So no wonder nobody got him. It's quite an obscure one. Um, Another who played at Burnley in the 80s, Martin Busby. Another who was only at the club for one season. That was at the end of 1979-1984 um, appearances for the club. And the last one who was at the club, similar time, 81-83. to 83, um, Paul McGee, a couple of years at the club at the start of the 80s. And also played for QPR. So that's the 15 players who played for QPR. And Burnley, um, the quiz inspired, of course, by Charlie Austin, who will be back at the turf on Saturday. Um, and apparently, we told you earlier in the podcast that Tony Mowbray has been sacked um, by Middlesbrough today after they lost again at the weekend to Derby, I think. Was it Derby? No, someone else. Barnsley. 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 
Tony Pulis is apparently favourite for that Middlesbrough job. A little bit surprising. Tony Pulis maybe in the championship. That'll be fun to watch. Maybe. And um, one of the one of the last things we want to do on this week's pod, I just got a bit lost on what we'd covered and what we hadn't, is um, some stats. Stats coming out of our ears at the moment because of the starts of the season. We've had obviously seven wins in a row. Um, best starts of the season since 1897. Was it so over a hundred, well over a hundred years, almost as long ago as Andy was born? So records being smashed all over the place, and Adam and James have been doing some research between them today. What's the stat that you two have come up with? Did one well, of you want to tell us what it was all about? I think it was obviously me who came up with that stat. Uh, <laughs> which but, um, Adam did the same research today as well. I think I'm disadvantaged because of the time difference. <laughs> Adam's several hours behind or in front or however it was. I received the request yesterday to, to find this out. Um, and I decided to do it on my lunch today. Um, unfortunately, Get on with I it. What's the stat? 20 minutes after he'd done it. But um, <laughs> of the teams that have been top of the championship on the 21st of October, in the last 10 seasons... Two have gone on to be the champions. Um, those were QPR in 2010 and West Brom in 2009. Uh, of the remaining eight, four have been runners-up. Uh, most recently, Southampton in uh, 2011. Also, Birmingham, Sheffield United and Wigan. Um, two have made the playoffs but not been promoted. Obviously, that was Leicester last season, who uh, missed out. And Watford in 2007. And two teams failed to make the playoffs at all. Um, that was Cardiff in 2006 and Wigan in 2003. Um, the worst performance for the rest of the season after being top on the 21st of October was Cardiff 2006. They ended up finishing 13th, so well out of contention. Cardiff did that a couple of times, didn't they, before they got promoted? They looked like they were going to go up and then fell away. Yeah, I suppose that's more spectacular than normal. Adam's I think, told I think that you're wrong, Cardiff actually. Are, uh... Controversy, controversy. Adam tells him James is wrong. I'm normally the one being told. <laughs> I'm excited about this because it's normally me who's done the quiz wrong. Adam, tell us what's going on. It is. West Brom were not champions in 0910. That were Newcastle. West Brom finished runners-up. Oh, one error. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, well, um, I can cope with that. But... <laughs> That's that's a good response to being told you're wrong. I, I was I was I added those stats in after because someone asked me and uh, I'd already sort of stopped doing it by the time someone said how many of them were this that and the other. So so out of the last ten years, you said there's two teams have been top haven't finished in the playoffs. If if you turn that into a percentage, say that means we've got an eighty percent chance of finishing in the top six. Will that be right? That would that would indeed be right. If you How many to, of the teams did you say went up? Was it six out of the ten? Six of the ten, yeah. Does that include teams that went up through the playoffs? None of them went up through the playoffs, actually. Oh, really? So, um, according to James and Adam's stats, we've got an 80% chance of finishing in the top six and a 60% chance of going up. So that's positive stuff. I suppose we're going to have to start taking this seriously. If we keep winning matches, we are going to have to start... Taking the prospect of a, a Burnley promotion a little bit more seriously than we have. Actually, while we're on stats, I have a stat, which I'm hoping is A, right, and B, not going to be replicated by someone else on the pod. Our win on Saturday was our first this season that neither Danny Ings or Sam Bolts scored in. That, that is indeed correct. I can tell you that off the top of my Thanks head. Thanks very much. Um, this is, well done, Jeremy. This is podcast, so you can't see, but I am currently waving to my adoring fans for my fantastic stats. Um, that is, of course, because Ings and Volts have scored in pretty much all matches this season. So um, I suppose it's good in a way that we've got that out of the way and we've won a match without them scoring. Surely means that we're not as reliant on those two as, as maybe everyone thought. Um, we are going to wrap the show up soon. So we'll just do some predictions, I think, um, before we end for Saturday. And Adam's going to have to remind me to tease something else before we finish. So let's do the predictions. Andy, are you there? Predictions for Saturday, QPR at home? 5-2 uh, Burnley. 5-2. After we just talked about how it's going to be a tight game and not big odds, <laughs> yes. QPR have conceded about three goals all season and you've said we're going to score five. Harry Stoggle is crying into its bowl. <laughs> Hopefully no one, this will be terrible if, if there was someone sat in the Bob Ward stand who threw a football 
and it hit Harry Redknapp in the face. That would just be terrible. I really hope that doesn't happen on Saturday. I can't think of anything worse. Um, James, a prediction from you then? We're going to win 3 0. 3 0 has been a popular scoreline. Um, We're almost going to double the conceded tally. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to explain that comment that I made because uh, people may not be aware. Uh, QPR played at Millwall on Saturday and were 2-1 up. Charlie Austin had put them in the lead and there was a couple of minutes left and someone threw a football back and it hit Harry Redknapp in the face. And while Redknapp was looking into the stand to see who it was, Millwall scored and QPR didn't win. So Have you, have you, have you seen the picture? To- I was watching it on the Football League show and rewound it several times. The, the look on the I guy's face. Very funny. As it's about to happen. He's priceless. <laughs> Did you see what Redknapp said after the game? <laughs> Adam's just said it's not like his face looks any different when he's been hit by a ball. That's a very good point. Um, did you see what Redknapp said after the game? Though? He said um, George Jordan got hit by the ball and then it bounced and hit me. He's like, that didn't happen. We've all seen the video. Don't tell lies. Like, what is it about Harry Randall that he's incapable of telling the truth? Uh, anyway, what we're we doing? Predictions. Who haven't we done? Robbie. Uh, I don't know because earlier on in, in, on the pod I said we were drawing, and then I changed my mind saying we were going to win. I, <laughs> I honestly can't remember. I can't make my mind up. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say we'll score late on and win one nil. I think we'd all say that. Um... Do you want to give us a prediction, Adam? Actually, either Adam. Both Adams. We're not yeah, going to both speak at once, that's not how it works. Yeah, I've made a bit of a mess of that, didn't I? Aussie <laughs> Adam first, then. Yeah, I'm going to be the pessimist. I'm going to go one all. Boo! Me now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go 2-1 to us. <laughs> Uh, we've had a couple of two ones actually um, on the chat. Andy says it'll be two one Burnley. Gank says it'll be two one Burnley, and Roger says two nil. So more positivity on the chat than we've got on the panel today. I think we're going to win. Actually, I'll just throw that out there. I think we are going to win. I think it'll be narrow, and I'm I want to join the two one club. Just um, to remind you, Andy the Octopus says five two. So if, if you're a betting man, no one ever promotes responsible gambling. So only bet what you can afford to lose. But Andy says it's going to be 5-2 Burnley. And I imagine that's all five from Danny Ings, is it? Or is it just the just the four from Danny Ings? No, it's, no, it's going to be his first hat-trick and Junior will get two. Junior will get two. Oh, I'm happy with that. I'll take Junior getting a draw. Um, we are going to wrap it up there. There's one last thing that we need to mention. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed Lee Hoos, the Burnley Chief Executive at Turf Moor, before the Charlton game. Um, and the first part of that interview will be going on the site tomorrow. I know people have been asking where it is um, because it's taken us a while to get around to sorting out, but it will be on the site tomorrow, talking about attendances and ticket prices and redevelopment to turf models, lots and lots of interesting stuff. Um, it'll probably be in the Lancashire Telegraph on Friday or something, so <laughs> you can buy the paper can instead I... of reading on the site, but you can get all the... Read it here first on No Near Never. No Near you... Never tomorrow, that will be on the site, and... Um, can I just we'll explain back. that this is the yeah, longest well, interview in the world? Like, yeah, actually, the so longest long. one Adam in the world. Blessing did some of the transcribe, well, all the transcribing so far, and I think it took you all day to do about twenty minutes. <laughs> I had to have a lay down after I like was staring <laughs> at the computer screen, listening intently. Yeah, we spoke for about an hour, and part one of the interview that goes on the site tomorrow is two and a half thousand words or something. And because we've been blabbing on a little bit late, there's been a goal in the Monday Night Football Palace have taken the lead against Fulham. So we will leave it there for now. We'll let everyone get to the, the football game. We will tweet a link that will go out to the, the Lee Who's interview. So keep an eye out for that tomorrow. And we'll be back on Saturday for the big game. Burnley against QPR, none and ever live, will be from about half past two. And we'll be back next Monday night. So thanks a lot for listening. Thanks a lot to my panel. We've had the two Adams, Robbie, James and Andy. Um, James is pleased because he's going to be asked to go go home now (laughs) so thanks for listening and we will be back next week, cheers, bye bye you've been listening to the No Nay Never podcast for more visit nonaynever.net and don't forget follow us on twitter at nonaynevernet 
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.